Welcome to a new universe, Dramaverse, where we have visionary and exploratory conversations about the future experience society. With me, Samira. And me, Made. In today's episode, we're diving into the intersection of technology, art, and entrepreneurship with a truly multifaceted guest. Robert Luciani is not only a computer scientist with specializations in high-performance computing and AI, but also a force in the digital development and entrepreneurial arena. His expertise spans from open-source Unix kernel programming to crafting cloud architectures for giants like Microsoft. As a master of AI-driven product innovation, Robert extends his knowledge to business through the AI framework to help others successfully leap into the future. But Robert's talents aren't just confined to the tech world. He is also renowned in the music industry as a singer, musician, and producer in jazz, fusion, and progressive metal. One of his most recent collaborations, The Impossible Sculpture, is a testament to the limitless potential of AI-human collaborations. Designed entirely by AI in partnership with Sunvik Group, Robert took on the ambitious task of synthesizing elements from legendary artists like Rodin and Michelangelo. A breathtaking stainless steel artwork that challenges our perceptions of art and technology. Without further ado, let's delve deep into the mind and works of Robert Luciani. Welcome, Robert. We're so glad to have you on our podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Oh, it's good. Thank you. Uh, I was thinking deep diving in just like that by quoting you. Is it okay? Go ahead. Let's hear it. Okay. Like, what did I say? Yeah. <laughs> what did I say? See if you remember. But this is one of my like favorite things said ever. Uh, and you said... Um, what if you could bring five artists who lived 500 years apart back to life? Using AI, what would they create? Can you tell mm. us a bit about that and uh, the impossible sculpture? Yeah, that was a, a super fun project I did a bit over a year ago, I think now, <clears throat> where I was commissioned to use AI to help accelerate the design of a statue by the manufacturing company Sandvik. And so they have a lot of really neat technology for doing um, metal work. And uh, they wanted to show how good <laughs> that technology is by making an interesting statue. And so um, AI at the time, a year ago, um, which is a really long time ago now, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, was right in its infancy when it came to the ability to generate images, 3D things, and that kind of stuff. And so that's one of my um, skills is, is sort of um, prototyping of technology where it's not clear whether it's possible or not. And so they commissioned me to use AI, and I have a bit of an artistic background. And so the combination of those two things lent themselves very well to the project. And we ended up making a statue that was super cool and inspired by five different artists. I've actually thought about that thing a lot, whether you could you, you know, what artists would think if you could carry them into the future and that kind of thing. So um, yeah. it was interesting. Well, do you remember what artists that you uh, were working with, collabing with on this project? Yeah, I mean, um, 
we tried to find uh, not necessarily the most popular artists, but uh, a quite uh, diverse set that would represent different kinds of sculptors. So they were all sculptors. Um, we had Michelangelo, who is uh, one of the demigods of uh, art, uh, multidisciplinary. We have we had Kathy uh, Kollowitz. Um, we had um, uh, not, uh, a Japanese guy. I think his name was Nakamoto. Uh, we had uh, Augusta Savage, an American uh, sculptor uh, from the early <clears throat> 20th century. Yeah. And who else? Oh, Rodin also from France. Oh, oh yeah. And, uh, and, they, and <laughs> you know, one artist is known for hyperrealism. And another artist is known for uh, their abstract work. And it doesn't necessarily go together. But it was quite cool because the final statue was a bit of a um, an amalgamation of all the styles. Uh, so, so it was neat. Who would you say is the artist behind this creation that you were part of? You know, a lot of people that aren't artists are very preoccupied with <laughs> attribution and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. He especially, and, and some artists as well, but in specific, ones where they see art as a career. So artists that are very, uh, you know, concerned about being paid care a lot about attribution and copyright and who who did what. Uh, but for people such as myself that, that write music and other things uh, for the love of it, that stuff doesn't really matter. And so... Uh, I don't know. I guess if Michelangelo and those other people want to take credit for the statue, it doesn't bother <laughs> me. I mean, the joy for me was actually making it. And uh, yeah. and I actually really experienced that when I went to the museum where the statue is standing now. I was there for 20 minutes, you know, walking around. I touched it. I sort of took it in. But um, I'd spent hundreds of hours working on the statue. And yeah. those 20 minutes in the museum we're not really comparable to the hundreds of hours of satisfaction that were from the actual process. So, yeah. you know, the final artifact of art is just a thin sliver in, in the experience that is culture. I think that actually ties in sort of to the topic of today where culture, I think a lot of people think of culture as artifacts yeah. or events, but it's actually a process in yes. my mind, at least. I think we were talking about that a little bit earlier yeah. today, actually, like the whole idea of like what what like what value we bring to yeah. the world that like mm. 70 or 80 or maybe 90 percent percent of it is just like the whole thrashing around behind the scenes. It's like the mm -hmm. thinking it's the processing. Yeah. And then in the end, there is an output, but it's not really that that is like the, the main work. No. Um, and it's me, maybe not even that that's like the main value. It's everything that like, came before that. Yeah, absolutely. I I think about that sometimes when when I compare, you know, in the beginning you had um artificers or or people that were experts in a certain domain and you would say for example a blacksmith would make art when they made a sword or something. Yeah. But really the sword was just a testament to their to their um commitment, attention to detail, personality and everything that they put into that piece of work that they made. Yeah. And then we had art that was more for its own sake. And they do have an overlap, which is the commitment and the uh, expression of the self through the artifact. But it's not the artifact itself that is the art. It's really everything that it says. And so as a consumer, you have two ways of consuming art. You can just uh, enjoy it as is, 
or you can try and understand the mind of the artist. But there's nothing to say that you need to understand it the way the artist intended. That's sort of a, you know, a game and it can be fun, but you know, you, you can interpret it and, and try to understand it the way you want to. That, that's something we see a lot with movies, right? You have head cannon. Yeah. You like to, I think that the movie actually was like this yeah. and you <laughs> about the background, right? Yeah, you can yeah. do that. I mean, nobody but, knows what, what Leonardo da Vinci was thinking when he drew uh, Mona Lisa. No. Like, really. No. And so we're standing there staring at it, trying to imagine. And, uh, and as consumers, we're not, we're not connected to him. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that's a misunderstanding, that people think that you have to understand the art uh, the way the artist uh, intended it. There's a lot of abstract arts, you know, like a, a, a splotch of paint on a painting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What is there to understand? And the, the process of sitting there questioning yourself, trying to figure out what it means, that is the, the consumer's role in, in the art, I think. Yeah, for sure. I think it was so special. We were at the, the Monet uh, that is in, in Stockholm right now as immersive mm. art. And one of the things he said was, you don't need to understand me and my art. You just need to love me and my art. And I, yeah. I, I kind of like that. It's just, you don't need to understand it, just love it um, yeah. and feel it. For yeah. sure. I think you see that a lot in music. There are yeah. probably uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers are the best at it. They write <laughs> uh, lyrics that don't mean anything, or perhaps they do mean something, yeah. but they're definitely not obvious to a lot of people what they mean, yeah. but people enjoy it nevertheless. Yeah, that's really... Cool. I was wondering, I, I mean, on the topic we're on, what would you say the future, who is the future artist? I think um, as technology has been evolving, yeah. it has democratized access to things uh, in a way that has made art um, creation more accessible to a lot of people. Yeah. And a lot of people or a lot of artists resent that and they say that it leads to worse art and, and that kind of thing. But it really doesn't. Um, you know, in the old days, only people with a lot of money could afford to record music because you had to go to an expensive yeah. studio. Now anybody can record music with a PC at home and get phenomenal recording quality. Mm. And yeah, that means a lot of people are going to produce a lot of, you know, not 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 an awesome music, but <laughs> it also means that some people that, that simply were not in the right place at the right time can now suddenly create amazing music just with their PC. Yeah. And, um, I think the future of art means that, that finally we will have more people producing that kind of stuff. I, I think, um, I don't think, however, that, uh, <clears throat> you know, when you use the word art nowadays, yeah. uh, People probably associate it with, with um, aesthetic art, meaning art that has no purpose. Yeah. Um, but I think it's worth pulling it back to uh, a reflection of human self-expression. And so it can still be uh, aesthetic art and, and you know, paintings that, that, that are just meant for looking at and that kind of thing. But um, I really feel like the programming that I do for work is very yeah. artsy yeah. and, uh, and I like thinking of it that way. And I like talking about it that way. And I think, uh, um, 
it is a little bit abstract, sort of the tie in between culture, work, art, self manifestation, uh, yeah. aesthetic arts. I mean, it's not entirely clear that you can just say this is one and this is the other. They do tie in together, right? Yeah. <clears throat> That's really But interesting. If nothing else, computers, I think, are the things. I know everybody laments them, but uh, they make it so that we can talk to people across the world. Yeah. They make it so that we can record music at home. They make it so that we can do all sorts of things. To me, it's really magic. I feel like Gandalf, the wizard. You know, you say some special <laughs> special spells, and this yeah. rock here does what I tell it to do. That's sort of magic. And is it going to keep being like that, or are you going to be outperformed by your computer or... <laughs> Not I the hope likes so. of it That's the idea. You know, like in all these old fantasy tales, the, the there's the forbidden magic, which is to make yeah. an automaton, you know, make a rock come to life or something. That's what we're trying here. And uh, yeah. I think it's exciting. I'm not scared. Yeah. Of it. What's your like, what's your like vision or what do you see in front of you? Because you look really happy when you're talking about it. So yeah. it doesn't seem like a gloom doom thing for you. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. Something It might like. be because I feel like I'm in the driver's seat. Uh, so, you know, if you ask me how I feel about my son, for example, I, I'll be happy about it uh, because I feel like it's something that I'm able to be a part of. Yeah. I think maybe people that are not happy about the rapid progress of AI and computers are people that feel like it's being thrust upon them. Yeah. And I sympathize with that. Um, for my own part, given that I am a developer and I, I feel like I'm really into these things. Uh, it's very much like watching, you know, uh, your dog or your son or some kind of thing that you've built and, and see it do neat things. So I think it's super fun. I would love it if my computer was better than me at everything. <laughs> yeah, because then what would you do? <laughs> it's not about doing that. I mean, well, okay, so like what parent would say, no, I don't want my kids to be better than me. As, I mean, they, it can be good, but as long as I'm the best. No, no parent thinks like that, right? Yeah, yeah there's good grades. Just, uh, you know, I got a B in math, so you stay where you are. Uh, no, yeah. I want my computer to be better than me at math, at music, and everything like that. Why yeah. not? Yeah, and I, th I think also it's like we're talking a lot about like what, if you're not talking about the gloom-doom thing, it's like we're talking a lot about what that actually leaves for the human experience and how much you can yeah. just... <laughs> Just be a human when your computer outperforms you in the end, if we make those choices. I've been thinking about that a lot. I, I yeah. grew up with parents that made it very clear that if you're not the best, you're not, you know, being the best is all there is, basically. Yeah. And, um, and obviously that's not true. Um, because uh, kids can enjoy playing football with each other, even though Zlatan will always be better than them. Yeah. playing football, right? Yeah. It doesn't take away from your enjoyment. And I, I wonder this sort of uh, um, preoccupation with uh, who is the best at writing, uh, you know, poetry or who is the best at seeing patterns and that kind of stuff. Uh, so what makes life worth living? Is it being the best? I, that, I think it's pr pretty obvious that that's not it. Um, you know, some of the things, times when I feel like life is it can't get better than this is when I'm eating noodles on the weekend with my family. That's it. There's, there's no quantifier on that. Uh, mm -hmm. so yeah. And the computer can never take that away from me, no matter how good it is at art and, uh, yeah. math or whatever. Sure. And so I welcome it. I do think, however, that, um, something that will be very difficult for people in general will be to square what the machines tell us about ourselves. So, um, 
I was actually talking to my son about this and I was sort of surprised by his answer, but there are a couple of things that we sort of take for granted and implicit, uh, such as the notion of I, the notion of yourself. You are yeah. one person through time. Um, and there are some neat TV shows that delve in, you know, philosophers just muddy the waters with all their ph philosophy terminology, but there are some cool TV shows that touch on these topics and people mm -hmm. like them because they're packaged in a neat way. But for example, Star Trek, you know, you can teleport from the ship to, to the earth. The yeah. way it does that is by scanning your body, uh, uh, taking you apart atom by atom and rebuilding you down on the planet, <clears throat> beaming you down at the speed of light. And is that the same you that ends up on the planet? Mm, no, it's a copy, right? Because if, if he keeps you on the ship and then you're down on the planet, then there's two of you. Which one is the real you? What does it mean to be you? The reason these questions are relevant is for a number of reasons. We can think already now of many thought experiments that would make you question who you are. Because let's say there's an AI that we make. We can, first of all, we can copy the AI, make two copies of it. Which one is the I in that AI? But consider, for example, Neuralink, which is this thing uh, that there's a company that uh, helps people. Well, we'll see what it's used for. But in any case, it's a chip that you can connect to your brain and you can use it to control things. Um, potentially, you could write things back to the brain. Well, if you start changing your brain, you say, I want to be a little bit less procrastinating. I want to be a little bit more of this, a little bit less of that. Um, what does it mean to be you? Where do you, where are you in any of that? Yeah. Um, imagine we could do that to criminals. Imagine instead of shooting a criminal or putting them in jail, we could simply take away their aggressiveness. Um, is it the same person afterwards? Is that fair? Um, and so on. So. The, and there are other questions as well um, about ethics. Uh, yeah. A lot of times we talk about what's good and what's bad, but it's not entirely clear that anything is good or bad outside of religion. Something might be desirable or not desirable yeah. to any one person. You can't debate that. But uh, the machines don't have that kind of penchant. Uh, and, and it's not clear that they'll agree with us on what's good and what's bad. You know, we do arithmetic when it comes to it, but we're not explicit about it. So for example, a stubbed toe against a table is uh, is worth less than a human life, right? If you had to say, is this person gonna die or are you gonna suffer a stubbed toe? You would say, well, obviously a human life is worth more than the pain I have to go through if I bump my toe into a table. Yeah. Okay, but what about a million stubbed toes? Mm, human life is still worth more. Yeah. Okay. And then you start comparing. And at some point, you'll reach a, a, a point where you'll say, well, no, that amount of suffering is not worth trading a human life for. So we can do, and we do the, this kind of arithmetic. We just don't talk about it because, for example, when COVID came, we made the choice and said the quality of life of old people not meeting their children is not worth as much as these young people getting sick. So you guys mm -hmm. stay at home. You never meet your grandchildren again. And, uh, and that's it. So we do do this kind of arithmetic and the computers will be very callous about it. They'll say, okay, if this is what your preference are, this is how we do things. And people are going to say, no, I don't accept that. This is good. This is bad. But um, I look very much forward to them, you know, holding up a mirror and saying, this is what, this is you are, are, yeah. and, and making it explicit and then saying, are, are you happy with what you see? And we're going to say, no, don't make me actually think about what it is that I'm saying. You know, we see, we know that as parents. 
as parents, we tell our children to do what we say, not what we do, but nobody's like yeah. that. Yeah. That is so interesting. That's the interesting thing about you. You always say stuff and the mind goes on, you know, I get quiet and I just go into my head and just start thinking. But this is, these questions are really interesting to just think on. Yeah. Well, the one thing to be sure of is that there's a lot of people talking about AI safety and what AI is going to do in the future. Um, but researchers will continue developing that stuff while everybody else talks. And yeah. it's not clear to me that those discussions have any bearing. Philosophers have been talking about the trolley problem. And for those listening, the trolley problem, you might have heard of it. It's is where you have to make a choice over whether to uh, save people when a train is coming and it might run yeah. them over and that kind of stuff. You know, there, there are all these thought experiments about ethics that you can make and try and determine is is inaction the same thing as action when it comes to something that could be evil? Yeah. Philosophers have been debating this for thousands of years. It's not like now all of a sudden the EU commission is going to solve that problem. No. We've seen wars in part of the world for thousands of years as well. Yeah, I'm very hopeful that AI can sort of, like a good parent, come above us and sort of help us fix things. Hopefully they're not the spanking kind of parent, but <laughs> you know, I suppose no. we'll find out. Is, I mean, yeah, sure. It's such, such a deep dive. But but when it comes, I I assume that you have a lot of conversations like this. You're working with AI yeah. um, all yes. the time. So is is, the, is this like part of the work to have these uh, discussions and these topics like laid out in sort of public so that we actually do put some light on this? It, um, I I sort of stand with one foot on both halves of the discussion because I am an applied engineer and I do help uh, decision makers um, scope these projects. Yeah. And these topics do come up, but I have a, a fairly, I'm fairly well read up on philosophy and a lot of these topics uh, out of personal interest. And um, the topics come up immediately immediately as soon as we start working with it. For example, uh, one thing that people talk a lot about now is that language models make things up. Uh, and why do they do that and that sort of thing. And so truthfulness becomes a talking point. So let's say I have a customer that has very um, sensitive data. Maybe they're a financial institution or a healthcare institution. And they're like, we can't afford the model uh, lying. It needs to always be 100% truthful just like our employees. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, the first point here, I should just preface one thing. In my, in my personal philosophy, I believe all philosophical discussion is just word games. It's all yeah. just semantics. So all you do is you just sit and you agree on what a word means. In any case, it would be the same thing here. Uh, what does it mean for something to be a fact? Let me present you with a fact. The fact is that Christopher Columbus discovered America. Well, I think some people might feel that that's debatable. Right? <laughs> well. and, uh, and it really boils down to what you mean by discovered, because you can define discovered in such a way that, yes, okay, in fact, Christopher Columbus discovered America, if that's what you mean by discovered. If, if you mean the first human to set foot there, then no, he didn't, and so on. And so... Just for a moment, it's a philosophy discussion, but then it comes back to pragmatism. Um, 
or at least I feel like there really isn't a discussion to be had, but um, maybe that's because I, I have this interest in philosophy and I, do, I see it as a, a non-dilemma. Yeah. Um, I, there is a parallel in music here. Um, a lot, for me, art, art is, is something that art people think is art and sort of enjoy. And that's about it. And that just means that, well, that means a couple of things. One is anybody can be an artist, I suppose, just not a popular one (laughs) or popular one. Um, And the same thing is with philosophy. Philosophy isn't something that you do properly. There is no proper system of ethics. It's just, you know, us talking about what we really think about stuff, but it's not an alternative to science. It's not, it's not really, it's just a hobby, just like art. Um, so I, I don't think that people will ever find answers to these ethics questions or, you know, through philosophy. Um, and the march of time and science will continue despite those. So yeah. I think being read up is probably as possible. One thing people should do is given, I mean, we, we are in an age of bounty here with computers and, and mm-hmm. chatbots and all this kind of stuff. Anybody that's sort of consciously and willingly trying to be ignorant of these things is going to be giving themselves a disadvantage and also just missing out on a lot of things that make living in this day and age very, uh, you know, very nice. This is, I mean, with all the bits and parts we've been in, the philosophy and the 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 knowledge about AI and the AI professionalisms that are that are out there and those who can not nothing about it uh, but have a lot of opinions about it. Mm. Uh, I mean, what I'm I'm trying to figure out here is in the in the future, do you think that the artists are maybe people who are AI professionals and creative? Uh, and that that makes the art the next level art, or do you think it's gonna go down to like the the oh, just the human mm. part Good of question. it? question. There is an interplay between the instrument and um, there is an interplay between the instrument and the artist for sure. I'm trying to find analogies between what exists now that isn't AI to show that when we work with AI, it would be the same thing. You know, there, there's, there are branches of music that are very instrumentalist focused people noodling on guitar. And the only people that like that kind of stuff are other people that noodle on guitar, (laughs) inaccessible, chromatic, and just (laughs) nobody likes that kind of stuff, except for other guitarists. And, uh, and then there are people within that community that go even deeper and, uh, I don't know if you know this, but there are actually guitars that have squiggly frets. So frets mm-hmm. are these lines that yeah. uh, you know let you choose a note. And there are these uh, engineers that found that if you really want to have precise uh, uh, frequencies on the guitar, uh, you, you need to make them squiggly. You can't have them straight. Yeah. And so you know they're 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 going deeper and deeper into the tool itself to get more pleasure out of the art that they're making. And so naturally, people that are better at AI and understanding how it really functions uh, behind the scenes will be able to leverage that to a greater degree. Um, I think for my own part, I use quite a lot of AI uh, music plugins right now that are they're so good. And yeah. 
actually, there's a nice contrast between using AI in music and using it in other areas because um, you can, uh, I think like uh, mathematicians and engineers will say, mm, the AI is interpolating, extrapolating, it's not correct, it's not truthful and stuff like that. But when it comes to music, the only thing that matters is if it sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> like it can be, it can be wrong, but yeah. if it sounds cool, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I think that that's such a that's such a neat uh, uh, sort of qualifier or quantifier for the output of of the AI. So, for example, there is a a, a plugin that I use that removes um, little mistakes in the audio. Yeah. One time I was recording here and I sang too loud and I didn't notice it. And when I went back to listen, it was such a good take, but there was this uh, uh, raspy sound because the the microphone had had been too loud and it clipped. And I was like, oh no, this take is ruined. But then I threw on the AI and um, and it just made up some stuff in between there. And it was transparent and it just sounded like a perfect recording, like nothing had even happened. And that's, cool. that's all I care about. I don't care about how it did it or anything no, like no. that. And the fact that I had that plugin makes me happy because yeah. now I have a good recording. So I'm not like, oh, no, I'm not going to let AI help me out. No, that was awesome. That makes yeah. me a better artist. It doesn't take away from my enjoyment. And um, and there, one thing I've been wishing for for a long time is uh, I've, I was part of a movement in music, uh, this record at home movement that started mm -hmm. in the early 2000s. And um uh, everybody worked online. Uh, so okay. we sent sound clips to each other. The bassist recorded his part, sent it to one guy, then the other person recorded it on top. And, you know, we, we sort of worked asynchronously oh, like cool. that, whereas other bands had to meet up in, in the recording studio and sort of play together and stuff. Um, so I've always wished, because I've been involved in many projects, I've always wished that I had a, a virtual drummer to help me out. Because oh, I can cool. program drums, but my drummer that I have now has a sort of a church gospel background and the way he does his fills, I'm just not creative enough to do it like that. I mean, I can program drums, but when I hear his stuff, I'm like, oh, this is so much better. Yeah. What if I had an AI buddy that could write drum fills like that? And I'm like, no, make it more jazzy, mm, a little bit more on the backbeat, you know, and you, yeah. you play around like that. I would love to do that. Well, who yeah. wouldn't love to do that? I, uh, I guess the session drummers that get paid to do that would be sad. Yeah. yeah. And, but that's, I think you're on something now. This yes. is getting really interesting because, I mean, when we talk about who are the future artists, it doesn't matter if you're painting a, a, a beautiful painting or if you are making beautiful music that uh, touches people in, in some way or another. But it's just who, I think there you have it. Who is mm. the, or, and are we people, when we talk about uh, the AI and the help that we can get by AI to be better, uh, I mean, I feel like there are some fears. Just what you said right now is is the fear of uh, what happens instead of like going in and diving into the what ifs and all the possibilities mm. that's out there. Yeah, I um, I'm biased in this because okay. I uh, I think in most of the hobbies that I have, I'm the creator. Yeah. I read a lot of books, but I write a lot. I listen yeah. to a lot of music, but I write music. Yeah. I, I play computer games, but I program as well. Yeah. And so uh, the, the, for me, the, the creation of everything is always the end goal. 
Um, I think it might not always be fun for people that only consume things. Uh, because for me, writing music is, um, I don't want to say it's a social experience, but it's, it's a, it's an experience for me. Yeah. And, uh, if I had one guitarist, one drummer, and then an AI bassist and an AI, uh, you know, a back backup singer, yeah. uh, that would be totally fine because the enjoyment I get of the process and chatting with my drummer and, you know, Oh, wow, that's so cool. And you know, it's fun. Um, that's still there for me. Whereas if you're just a listener and you're just consuming content and it doesn't matter if it's AI content or not, and that kind of thing, um, I'm not sure if it would be exactly the same. It's, I don't know, for example, with sports, I enjoy watching sports that I perform. Yeah. So, you know, I do weightlifting and I enjoy watching weightlifting. I don't play football. I don't enjoy watching football. No. Uh, so I, I guess I would, I, I have to hold back a little bit on how it would affect people that only consume things because uh, I know there are a lot of people that just watch football and don't play it and think it's yeah. awesome. Would they watch AI people playing football or like AIs kicking the ball around between each other? Maybe. I don't know. That's hard to say. I mean, say. isn't that like the eSport era? Isn't that the same thing, kind of? Well, I mean, I, I play games and I watch people that play those games in, in yeah. professionally, and that's very fun. Yeah. But you know, what I get out of watching that stuff is ideas for how I should do it. I'm not yeah. doing it necessarily only for entertainment. That's the difference. When I, when I listen to music, I'm thinking, oh, wow, that was a good idea. I wonder if I can rip that off and change it so nobody notices it. Or if I'm watching an esports championship, I'm like, yeah. wow, he really played that thing in a way that I would have been such a dummy and just run out and died immediately. But he totally did like a cool move there. Yeah. Um, so I'm always, when I'm consuming stuff, I'm always thinking, you know, what can I do? Uh I think like a I learning wish... process, you mean it's like, it's like a yeah. learning process for you as well. I mean, it's inspiring. I'm yeah. always looking for inspiration. Everything is yeah. like a source of potential inspiration to me, every conversation and everything I consume. Yeah. I, I think that's a difference. That's something I would wish for people to be able to experience. Cause I think a lot of people consume things just to waste time. Okay. Um, even That's when I watch Netflix now, because yeah. I, I just got a neat camera so I could film a music video a, a little while ago and I learned how to do like color grading. When I, now when I'm watching Netflix, I'm thinking, wow, that, that was really good color grading. It makes my work look really crappy. I wonder how, how <laughs> can I do that? And I, you know, I try yeah. and think like maybe I can learn that or something. Yeah. But I'm, I'm thinking about also like the whole, like consuming consuming era because i think maybe mm. we have moved a little bit from like consuming things towards more like consuming experiences and in that yeah. it could also be just yeah. like experiencing things together maybe not always with the end game of it being something i can learn from but what i'm wondering is do you see that that is sort of a trend that we're moving towards um yes. talking about the experience yeah. that also leads to creation that yeah. like consuming creation sort of is like what we're moving towards. I, uh, I don't know if one leads to the other necessarily. I do think that uh, ex consuming experiences is closer to creating things, which is a yeah, good yeah. thing because 
I mean, think about, for example, a festival. Yeah. I just feel like there are some people that when they think about going to, you know, imagine like a super colorful festival in South America. Yeah. Their idea is being there and taking a selfie and imagining themselves through the lens. Look how happy I look when I'm there. But the real experience is you being one of those people making the color. That is the experience. It's not you being in the festival, experiencing the festival. You have to be the festival. You know, it's like people say, I'm stuck in traffic. No, you're not. You are the traffic. traffic. You're stuck in traffic. Right? You're one of the cars. So I think think, uh, consuming experiences is good, but people really need to get past the consuming the experience and being the experience. Um, It's like Christmas. You have to be the Christmas spirits. It's not things going to come to you. You got to be jolly and stuff yourself, right? Word. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. But but I'm 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 just gonna. I I'm feeling like we're talking about like being a a part of something and doing or being inspired by. How about the feeling? I mean experiencing is like a huge part of it, isn't it? Like feeling. And how do we want to feel in the future when we experience that? What's the future generations um, consuming of experiences? What do they want to feel? What do you think? Humans are uh, a a very special species, I believe, because... (laughs) We have uh, instincts, and yeah. then we have this software that's running on top that is yeah. blended with the instincts and makes them a little bit unclear, so that our behaviors sort of manifest, and it's not exactly clear why they they you know they come the way they do. You don't know why you feel excited; you just do. Yeah. I mean, can you explain why your favorite food is your favorite? Well, it tastes good. That's just a tautology. I mean. It's your favorite because it's your favorite, basically. Yeah. Like we can't really account for why we feel the way we do, um, because we have the this, you know, our consciousness, and then we have the instincts underneath. And I think what we need is to get in touch with really the the deep sources of what we want. Yeah. So if we look at animals like sled dogs. We, we sort of know what their inner drive is. A sled dog wants to pull the sled. You can see it when it's just sitting there. It's, it's getting ready to pull the sled. It just wants to go. And you're like, all right, let's go. And then it starts running. And when it does that, it's in its natural state and it's, you know, living its life to the fullest. Yeah. If we can figure that out for ourselves, it's exercise, it's intimacy with people. It's an outlet for, for, uh, a little bit of adventure, but also a little bit of safety, you know, all these things, if we can get in touch with that, learn from each other and sort of express those things, that's when I think um, we will, you know, communicate well, be peaceful, uh, be effective and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think computers and social uh, platforms and that kind of stuff are probably our best chance and the best medium of achieving that. Um, oh, tell, tell us, us more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think you are the first person I have heard um, saying that. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think, um, I don't think Swedes and, and, you know, first world people know how good they have it. 
I consider myself to have grown up uh, sort of, um, you know, not not always being the most popular person in the room. And if if you have like niche interests, let's say you have a super niche interest, you can find a friend on a social media platform right now on the other side of the world that shares your interest. Yeah, you might be twenty people in the world that have this particular interest and you can find those friends online imagine in like just 50 years ago uh you're you're in your little town here in sweden and you're the only person that's interested in progressive heavy metal and everybody else likes you know dance bands mutants <laughs> and you're sitting there like an idiot you know with your goth makeup and stuff and you're like all right i guess this is it <clears throat> life sucks mm -hmm. Yeah. No, now with social media, uh, I mean, there's lots of good and bad that comes with everything. I mean, it's like uh, uh, tasty food. You can eat too much of it. <laughs> that doesn't mean that it's bad. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 I resent because I feel like I have a lot of self-discipline when it comes to a lot of things, but maybe not everybody does. I still like yeah. to think that technology on the whole and social media and that kind of stuff is is, uh, is good. I mean, uh, this is this is we're we're on something really special because we always talk about the the tech for good movement. You mm. can you can always look at stuff from every perspective, and it's good to make risk analyzes and everything. But I mean, if we want to achieve something, we need to make a movement and see it from the good side of it so we as humanity can like manifest and have momentum in the goodness of what we can achieve with these tools that we have created now right yeah, yeah. Uh, so i kind of like what you're saying because if we can focus on the good stuff and if we all like gather around the goodness of it then we hmm. can achieve something really beautiful i think the reason we need ai is there is one of those this is why we can't have nice things uh, aspects to all of this yeah. um which is uh i mean cigarettes for example yeah. cigarettes aren't aren't really great and uh we have high taxes on them so that people don't smoke themselves to death um but if we look at that uh, technology let's think about technology for a second for a second uh consider cars um uh, a great majority of the carbon dioxide emissions in the world yeah. are from personal vehicles. Uh, there's lots of other interesting sort of dimensions worth talking about, but let's just focus on personal vehicles for a second. Let's say we discover we, we made a mistake. Uh, we need to cut back on the personal vehicles in order to uh, reduce emissions. It's not clear to me that people are interested in that. So you do need like, uh, there's a book called Leviathan. Uh, which was was a king, and he said, you know, he would love for the people to just do whatever they want, but they're they're not able to. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that's what that what socialism is about. Socialism is about we know better than people. In fact, we know uh, everything, and so we're going to plan it centrally because there's uh, you know a good way to do it. And in some cases, that's correct. Everybody does need healthcare, that kind of stuff, and it's and it tends to be, you know, in the long run, good for society, that kind of thing. But uh, there's some other stuff that people aren't able to really do. People aren't really able to save up for their pension, apparently. Uh, so state government needs to do it for them. Um, and uh, I guess 
we'll see if that's the case with uh, social media and other stuff like that. You know, there are some countries where kids aren't allowed to play video games for more than, I don't remember how much it is, but my son, he almost had a, he was shocked when he heard that in some countries, <laughs> the kids aren't allowed to play as long as he was playing. Um, I, I hope that that's not necessary. I would like for people to to be as free as possible in as many respects as they can. Yeah. But I guess we'll find out. And that's where I think AI, if we let them, uh, can help us. Yeah. We have algorithms for doing all sorts of stuff, uh, achieving consensus and um, planning things and that kind of stuff. So if we, if we could trust these systems more than we trust our politicians, <clears throat> I know they're trustworthy, but perhaps the machines could be more trustworthy than the politicians. That's interesting. Yeah. I think this is so interesting because this also touches on the subject, you know, where, because we've been talking so far about AI being a tool for what we want to do and sort of where do you get yeah. to this point where it's no longer the tool, but it is the, uh, like, it is in the driver's seat. And I think that's also where yeah. we come into, not just what does this do to me as a professional person, but what yeah. will this do to humanity and everything? Yeah. And I know that we're not... You know, usually we talk yeah. about it and trying to move in a positive direction. But I also think it's really interesting to just dwell, dwell on that a bit. Like, when does it move from being our tool to it's, being... It's going to happen by itself. Yeah, uh, I'm exactly. almost certain of it because uh, I'm, I'm a vegan and you can, uh, you can be vegan for many reasons. Some people are vegan for ethical reasons. Some are for environmental reasons and some for, are for health reasons and that kind of thing. And actually, depending on which one you present as the reason, people might get more or less defensive about why, you know, if you ask them, what, why aren't you vegan? They'll say, well, you know, and so, for example, if you say, well, you know, when I switched to vegan, I started eating a tremendous amount of fiber. I got a lot of nutrients from the vegetables. And uh, I noticed my, uh, um, my sports performance increase. I got leaner, I got stronger, and so on. And people, oh, that sounds cool. I want that. I'm, I'm going to try it. But if you tell them, uh, you know, I'm vegan because I care about animals and I'm not a murderer, yeah. what about you? <laughs> you know, they'll be like, well, you know, actually, animals aren't human, and therefore it's okay yeah. to be yeah. psychopathic because, and so on. So yeah. what I suspect is that the AI is going to be a little bit of a psychologist and use reverse psychology and a bunch of other stuff and convince us uh, to change because it knows what's best for us, but it also knows that we need to be coaxed a little bit slowly into things. So for example, imagine you have an app on your phone now that is an AI trainer yeah. and this yeah. AI trainer is really good. And yeah. it says, follow my weightlifting program and I promise you're going to go up by this much within six months, if you, you know, progress and, and log things and follow my instructions, you'd be like, that's pretty cool. But if you had an AI that right now says, basically everything you're doing is garbage, start reading some books, quit your job, do this, yeah. do this with your money, you yeah. know, uh, act nicer to your friends, yeah. uh, act nicer to your wife and so on. You'd be like, who's this, who's this person telling me all this stuff? To, you know? <laughs> Yeah. So I think I think the AI is gonna, uh, and I say the AI like is this one yeah. AI, but I think they're gonna phase in, and and we're gonna be thankful for it. Yeah, I think it's so funny now that we're talking about this because this is like I feel so old when I'm talking to my daughter. She is ten years old now, and she has she's using this app obviously together with her, her friends, and mm. there's like on like 
like the on the first line there is an AI bot and what they're doing with this is that this is checking in with her every day like hi how are you doing and and she and her friends when they were telling me about this they were like yeah there this is asking how we're doing so you can write to it if you feel a bit sad and it will respond and be like okay that's that's sad to hear but you know can I do anything for you and everything. it's like oh. yeah. this was such a um it just sort of blew my mind because um I know that they are in it but you know, when you see it firsthand, it's like mm. it's a completely different world and they are really yeah. in it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very nice to just talk about it. This is part of my sort of philosophy of uh, nihilism, which is you don't have to cast judgment all the time mm-hmm. and know what the uh, what what the point of everything is and always yeah. have like an answer and say, this is the meaning. This is that. It's OK to just observe and yeah. sort of observe intelligently because Anything can be decomposed to sound stupid. Oh, so when you're depressed, you go out and play with sticks, huh? And that's better than talking to this chat bot on the phone. Um, I, I was talking to a colleague recently about a neat imp- application of chatbots, which was to be a marriage counselor. You know, if the marriage counselor is a woman or if the marriage counselor is a man, that actually affects, that, that, that is, uh, introduces a little bias that sort of affects the dynamic of the discussion between the three people. But imagine instead if you had an AI that was impartial, that yeah. let you talk asynchronously. So, you know, your partner doesn't have to sit next to you and you can be open and honest and you don't feel like you're being judged. It can just open infinite possibilities. Um, and you can always decompose those kinds of ideas and say, oh, but that's so bad. You're losing the human contact. And and so on. But I think um, we should simply be talking about it because everybody has different needs. There might be situations in which it's useful. And um, I don't think it's okay to just, you know, toss out other people's ideas because of your, you know, uh, sensibilities. Yeah. Wise, really wise. Yeah. I, I, there, there are some chatbots out there right now. There's this one called Pi. If you search for Pi chatbot, I think it stands for personal assistant. I'm not sure why yeah. it's P P I. Uh, it is such a cool bot because uh, it's like your friend, right? So a good friend is not a, a, a butt kisser, like oh you're the best, uh, yeah. because it does disagree with you. But it does it in like a friend way. So let's say you say something really stupid, like uh, I think uh, I think I should just just eat French fries for the rest of my life, and yeah. it's going to disagree with you. And it'll say, you know what? I think that that might give bad results. But I admire your passion. You're always the person <laughs> that you know, so like awesome. a friend would do. It wouldn't just you know crap all over you. It but it would support you, but it would still make sure you know that it doesn't agree with you and that kind of thing. And a friend has to be honest with you. Um yeah. This is kind of funny. I was just when you when you told me this, I was just back in the culture era in my head because I I was thinking, what if all of those lonely artists at one time when they lived had one of these friends? Yeah. What would their art look like and what would they be like? If yeah. we went back in time and just, and they had pie <laughs> to talk to. Do you, I mean, you guys think that artists are lonely in general? No, not at all. It was just, I'm, I'm just biased because I was That's at that. Yeah, it's just me. <laughs> no, no, I'm, no, 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 not at all. I it's thought that was because... a great idea. I mean, I'm at, I think there's, uh, 
I think back in the 1600s, yeah. uh, somebody, some, some person was sitting in a chapel by themselves with great yeah. ideas and no friends to talk about it with. Yeah, that's, that's the ones I was thinking about. So not the artist in today's world, obviously, yeah. but I would say, because I think I'm biased also because I was at the Monet uh, show and, and, I, I, and, and it, it felt kind of lonely i don't know if he was it's like what you said before mm. that we just have assumptions about things when we don't know when we fill out the blanks uh but yeah. but it was it was it felt like a lonely life after his wife died and he mm. had this time when he was lost and he couldn't sell any paintings and he didn't know what to do when he just had this like explorations with his art and just experimenting stuff uh, for a really long time and I was sitting there and I was watching this and I was like it feels like I just want to go back in time and give him a hug and say it's gonna all just work out for you you know, yeah. you just have trust and faith, you know, yeah. but, but, and, and now it's now and he doesn't live right now. But I was just thinking that in those moments in life, in those artists' lives, if they had pie, what yeah. would the results be today? Would it be like the end game of what he, uh, what he actually did in the ending of yeah. his life that made him really successful after his death? Or yeah. uh, is it, would it be like he was like I have pine I don't need my art I don't know <laughs> nah. I don't know but, but it's, it's just like it goes through my mind when you when you talk about it and and that makes me think about how would will this new society with the AI and the pies and 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 all the pies that would come after this pie <laughs> what would what yeah. would that like have effect on like future artists and future consumers and how we in the future will like want to create or just create differently from today and mm. consume differently from today nobody has the answers but it's just like that yeah. th that goes through my mind yeah i i am unsure of um, what it is that creates a consumer versus a creator. If it's a, a, if it's opportunity or if it's really innate. Okay. I'm leaning towards that. It's a blend of things. Yeah. Uh, because I, I, I'm more and more convinced that there is a, a fairly large innate, um, property in people that makes them curious and creators. Uh, you'll see little children manifest those things very early. Some, yeah. some, kids are just uh you know obsessive about math or maybe creative or see things differently and 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 it's very clear very early very yeah. distinct um so for my part i mean with, with a with a chatbot like pi um i just asked the chatbot quite recently because i was fixing some electronics stuff and uh this is like when Wikipedia came out, you know, where they said, don't trust it. It's just regular people writing it. You yeah. have to look at the or something. <laughs> it's the same thing. I grew up with 4chan and, and anonymous message boards where you couldn't trust anything. No. And with that knowledge, you didn't trust anything. And you figured out a way to, to source information reliably. You couldn't yeah. just go there. I don't think people 
have ever used those message boards because people being anonymous is not a problem. You just assume everything is garbage and you find a way to source information reliably. Yeah. And it's the same thing now. I was working with electronics and I asked the chat bot to, you know, what do these symbols mean and that kind of stuff. And it was explaining it to me. I was learning stuff that you, before you would have to sign up for a university course for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure if I can trust it. I can't trust it because I tried the stuff it said and it, and it actually worked. So that was fine. But um, imagine you, every child has a, a responsible best friend behind their shoulder that can answer any question about the world. Uh, yeah. And I know when I say that, I, I, like, when I hear myself say it, I know people will be like, well, what if it's not telling the truth? What if Columbus yeah. actually was the person that did, you know? Yeah. <laughs> to, to me, it just sounds like, like a godlike gift to everybody in the world to have that kind of thing. And, yeah. and it, it's, I resent a little bit that the first thing people think is like, well, it could be used to manipulate people and it could be, yeah. <laughs> I just think yeah. it's, it's, uh, but maybe it's like I said, maybe it's cause I'm biased and I, I think I know how to use those tools and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But if we can't talk about it, then we certainly can't benefit from it. So oh. there needs to be a forum where we can have these kinds of conversations without judging each other. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a wise thing to say, really. And the whole judging part, I think, is really key to um, the development. And I think that maybe we should start wrapping this up. Yeah, I have. Say, yeah, I have like a. Uh, you have a final. I have. I have a final question. Uh, bring it <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> with all the wiseness we have in the room yeah. here with Robert, yeah, I just was wondering with all the all the knowledge that you have about AI and and that you also uh, you're an artist as well. Uh, so, how would you say or what would you wish? You can choose. How would you say or wish the future experience society will look like or should look like? Hmm. I think, I mean, <clears throat> I think um, discoverability is important. Yeah. Uh, what I mean by that is I, uh, we already have social media platforms and social platforms and, and ways to get in touch with each other. Probably the hardest part right now is to find each other. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of noise, a lot of noise on the internet and that kind of thing. And really what we probably want is to find like-minded people. Yeah. So imagine you want to start a business, you want to start a band, you want to make a painting, a collaboration. Yeah. Um, probably AI systems could help with this. Because they can, you know, make noise, sift through noise and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I don't think it's going to be the way we imagine it now where you have these giant marketplaces with just infinite information that you have yeah. to sort through. I yeah. think we're we're going to be guided to each other, almost like magnets. Uh, yeah. uh, so I know this is a little bit abstract, but I imagine in the future, you know, my dream would be to... Uh, Right now, uh, uh, we just found a guy, but for a while I was looking for a session bassist to record some bass. I know there are people out in the world, yeah, at least a couple of dozen, <laughs> that yeah. would have loved to work with me, yeah. but they don't know I'm looking for a bassist, and I don't know who they are. No. So I think uh, the future, the future social experience 
is going to be um well now we've seen some snippets of some really cool vr stuff so there's definitely going to be technological aspects to it yeah. you know you're going to be able to meet each other in, in virtual reality and that kind of stuff that's going to happen yeah. for sure but really, the key ingredient, I think, is going to be the ability to find each other across yeah. the world. So we're going to yeah. be like a global community, not just not just uh, little villages. We're going to be you're going to be able to meet anybody you want. I think that's going to be cool. That's what I'm excited about. That sounds really exciting. Yeah. I love the global take on it. Yeah. yeah. This has been such an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for joining us here. Thank you so Thank much, you. Robert. It's, it's always so fun to exciting. chat. Yeah. All right. Have, Have a see you around. Day. Bye.